This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports at Night. Deep into the night. Right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Thank you so much for stopping by. At home opener edition, Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross, Jake Heaps, we're all here with you. Finally. All three of us together. I know, it's about time. It's been a hot minute since all three of us have been here together. It's a good day to come together. There's a yeah, lot to is. talk about. Uh, the Mariners What's going on? They unloaded on the Red Sox today, winning it 12-4 to uh, in their home opener. They're now 3-0 and on the season. Uh, I mean, why just, bo- yeah. just like I predicted. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just want to say that I predicted this right from the get-go. Yep. Been saying it since day one. I knew yeah. Jerry DePoto was saying that this was a step-back year, and they were retooling, and they get rid of Cruz and Cano and all of our favorites. Yep. I knew that this was going to be the year for us. Well, it's certainly looking a really good start. Here. I mean, they're undefeated. You can't ask for much more from them, <laughs> uh, but... We're going to talk about them uh, coming up in Big If True in the second hour tonight. Uh, what if this is a good year for the Mariners? What if they don't take a step back? We'll get into that uh, in the second hour tonight. But as we start off every single night, it's time to look at what is on the timeline. And as we said, the Mariners bringing out the thunder today. 12 runs they put up, not just on the defending world champion Boston Red Sox, but also on... One of the best pitchers in baseball, Chris Sale, the nasty left-hander that the Red Sox have. The Mariners made him look foolish out there. Tim Beckham, two home runs. Domingo Santana driving in four runs. The Mariners have offense. I think we can safely say that. Yeah, I I didn't end up doing this segment, but earlier when Jake and I were both in the sports pit, I had an idea where I would look through, this is trolling, I'll admit it, but I was trying to think of something funny. And so I was looking through and opposing the Red Sox uh, SB Nation blog mm-hmm. and the comments from the beginning of the game to the end of the game. <laughs> and I was really hoping I'd find something to kind of kick off a conversation. But it, it basically went from, this is the year, let's go, let's do this, to what's happening. Yeah, what's going on? And what I, is going on? I even think I heard Rick Riz question if Chris Sale is healthy. This was so surprising. This guy just got a huge payday. uh, Left-handed pitcher, one of the best pitchers in baseball, and the Mariners take it to him. I I am really impressed so far. Just the the fact that uh, the guys that are stepping up, uh, Tim Beckham, just for example, 29-year-old, we've heard Mm -hmm. so much about the youth and uh, we're, we're trying to get our farm club going and all those things and now you have a 29 year old former first round pick who's really stepped up in a big way is that a guy that the Mariners if he has great success is that a guy that you put on the trading block or is that a guy that you deem part of your organization for the for the future that's a great question that I have uh, for the Mariners, and it'll be interesting to see what Jerry Depoto decides to do too. Stacy, you mentioned you wanted to find things that the Red Sox fans were were griping about today. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe the most vocal Red Sox fan on Twitter, and that's Bill Simmons of the <laughs> Ringer and of ah. HBO. Uh, he tweeted just one time during the game, and in all capital letters, he says, "I am not enjoying opening day. Press the reset button." <laughs> that that put Fair. a smile Fair. on my face uh, to see Bill Simmons. Beside yes. himself in the effort. A lot of, of Red Sox fans club. and sports media in general. 
Yeah, they kind of come out of nowhere. Yeah. There, there's Red Sox fans, Mets fans, Syracuse basketball fans. They come out of nowhere. Uh, like Northwestern football fans. There's plenty of fans at the game. If you guys were there, it was it was surprising. Plenty of Mariners fans as well. But I think both sides came together when one very unfortunate New York Yankees fan was shown on the big screen. <laughs> and I'm sure he loved every second oh, of it. For sure, you do not go to that game no, wearing a Yankees that's jersey, intentional. not knowing what's coming your way. Yeah, you you go to a game wearing that when you know one fan base already hates your guts, and the Red Sox fans and the Mariners fans we we can't stand the Yankees either. I think he got exactly what he wanted in being shown on the big screen. And shout out to the Mariners for spotlighting him and, and making him feel that chorus of boos oh, it headed was his way. All 40 plus thousand people booing. Yeah. Very it, weird. Very impressive crowd there. Uh, ESPN was in town. Alex Rodriguez. Uh, very interesting that he's back in, in the capacity that he is. It's weird how. All these years have passed, and he comes back in this role, and I, I still think it was there was some awkwardness with him being in town, and I think Mariners fans watching the game on ESPN, because that was the only way you were going to uh-huh. see it if you weren't at the game, uh, at least visually. You could always listen to it right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Uh, shout out, shout out. But, like, I can't imagine Mariners fans were okay with Alex Rodriguez calling their game today. Really? I, I don't think yeah. it, it sits well no? with them years after the they, fact. Okay. Yeah, I think that I think that wasn't a something that Mariners fans enjoyed. But there is, if anything, A Rod being in town. There is a fantastic story that we'll have to get into at some point yeah. with Tom Wassel and I'll wait Alex till the next Rodriguez. Segment. It's going to take me too long. I'm a long storyteller. I'll yeah. keep it short, but that might have to wait. <laughs> well, I mean, you've come to the right place to tell stories. That's right. Right here on this, it's a good this whole radio getup we've got going on. Uh, also tonight. Or it happened almost simultaneously with the Mariners game. You had the Sweet 16 mm-hmm. going on. In fact, it's still going on right now. Oregon and Virginia in the final game of the day. They're tied with six minutes to go. But the Gonzaga Bulldogs picking up a 12-point victory over Florida State. They advanced to the Elite Eight for the third time in five seasons. The Zags looking really good. Let's there, go. There were some tenuous moments in the second half. Florida State trimmed it to about a four-point game at one point, but then the Zags, they put their foot on the throat of the Knolls, and they're moving on. This was this was a matchup that people really had a lot of doubt about the Zags' ability to, to take over this game because Florida State had so much size that they had a lot of guys that played tough with grown man strength, and how are the Zags going to be able to handle that? And we'll get into this later on in the show, but I think the Zags with this win and how dominant they were able to make it, yes, it got tight at different points, but they were able to essentially close the door on the Seminoles. To me, when you're talking about this group, the amount of success that they have had in the last four years, not only within their conference, but nationally and how deep they've gotten into the NCAA tournament, us talking about them that they're just another mid-major conference that are a, a, a team that's been in a mid-major conference just doesn't hold water anymore. This team has shown that they're elite. This is an elite program, and they're here to stay. Yeah, no, I think it's a good statement for them to make too. It's not that they don't get far and that they don't perform well every single year, but again, with a game like this over Florida State, you get a chance to say to the doubters, Tom Wassels of the world, Ooh, yeah. who who say that they don't play a tough enough schedule and that goes in their favor, that they it. can compete with the best. It's it's fascinating. 
Gonzaga. And a good March Madness, I yeah. Think, in general, did you watch uh, Tennessee and Purdue? I did. I watched both teams just absolutely try to find ways to lose. That's the one thing about March Madness is that coaches who don't panic in the final two minutes of a game, your team's in a really good spot because your play, I think, is a direct result of your coach's personality. And Tennessee, Rick Barnes, their head coach, he's known in college basketball as not one of the brightest coaches out there. And we saw it at the end of regulation when there was about two seconds left. Tennessee had their inbound pass go to half court they made another pass to somebody else, called a timeout, but there was one-tenth of a second left on the clock, which was not anywhere near enough time to get a shot off. Had they just gone the whole Christian Leitner route, the baseball pass, the length of the court, I think that puts you in a better spot than having to get fancy and get two passes, call a timeout. And then in overtime, well, actually, Purdue, they couldn't make their free throws all game either. They had an opportunity to take the lead with about a second to go. Uh, and they missed a free throw. College basketball, you will see so much panic at the end of games. And <laughs> it's that's people, the best part of the game. Yes. Yeah, it's like the it it's like the top of the muffin. It's the best part of the muffin. That's wow. right. It's true. You don't have to yeah. watch the first half. It's all. It all comes down to the end from a fan perspective, but also from the teams. That's what really truly separates March Madness and the teams that end up advancing is the ability, like you're talking about, Curtis. The ability to break down situational basketball and also who is able to step up in big time moments. Big time players step up in big time moments. And whether it's a free throw, whether it's a big shot, a defensive play, man, I love March Madness. Coming up next here on Seattle Sports. Actually, we've got one more thing on the I was going to say, can we stop at this last one? Did you guys. We cannot pass this one up. No. By chance today. This was early My heart in the morning. Dropped. A news crew in Toledo, Ohio. Uh, I don't know why they were trying to appeal to the youths of Toledo, but I don't think they did a really good job of it. You know when you see when spiders die and all their legs curl in on, oh, yeah, on itself? Yeah, yeah. That's how I feel <laughs> watching this clip. I felt like my entire body wanted to curl in. So here is the aforementioned clip of a couple of news anchors Really trying to lay it on thick for the youth of Toledo. Good morning, TPS students. It is testing week, and it's time to slay all day. Yeet. Stay woke, be on fleek, and get that Gucci breakfast. Goals. Say bye, Felicia, to that testing stress. Weather's going to be turned, right, Chris? Yes. Toledo weather going to be the lit during testing week. A hundo P chance of success. You've got this, kids. <laughs> Steve, how about that traffic? Are we looking? Oh, Better than oh, that's being trademarked. <laughs> We're talking turn almost won't be an issue. No traffic problems around any TPS schools to keep you from taking those tests. I feel the worst for whatever intern was at the station that wrote that entire script out. Yes, because you yeah. know that some forty-year-old person came up to them and was like, "Hey, you're you're funny on Twitter, right?" Can you write me something that will sound fun and young and hip with all the youth? I want there? the drop of him going. Oh, <laughs> by the way, Cardi B. I read trademarked. Oh, so it's hard to do. So is that does that Toledo. mean that they're about to get uh, a lawsuit coming their way? Is that what's coming? No, I don't know. You don't think so? Well, he he didn't say that. He went oh, yeah. <laughs> just couldn't roll his R's <laughs> at right. all. Oh, man, Toledo. That's brutal. Hey, A for effort. A for effort. 
I'm gonna give. If a, they wanted to go viral, it worked. What oh, if that was the plan all along? Yeah. yeah, that's why I say A for effort. It's like the um, any rea- reality show. The crazy one wants to be crazy because you get more screen time, and then you're like, man, I don't mind watching it though. Yeah. I kind of like it. it. It's certainly something you got to listen to twice just to pick up on everything that you hear in it. Coming up next, Mariners home opener. Whole lot to like about what we saw today. We'll get into all of that. So many home runs. So much Boston terribleness, which I think we can all agree is a good thing. Yeah. Coming up next, we get into the Mariners home opener. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross, Jake Heaps, Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. A couple of texts coming in on the Coors Light text line. It's always there for you, 710-710. From the 206, they say, I only listen to the radio broadcast of Mariners games if it's a national TV game. Cannot stand a-Rod. And then uh, a tweet from at Willennium92 said, did you guys hear Payrod say that Howard Schultz is a Seattle cult hero? I think it was in the seventh inning. Wait, what? I can't, like, can you think of Maybe two... A-Rod's memories of Seattle stop in the 90s. Well, they certainly stop in two... early 2000s. The year 2000 yeah. was his final season oh, in oh. Seattle. Can you think of a wow. more villainous thing to have been said? You've got the villain Alex Rodriguez praising another villain if here they love in town. Clay Bennett. Oh, yeah, gosh. that'd be worse. Yeah, like, just... for fans that were listening. Brutal, brutal. Who let Howard Schultz into the park today? Anyway, that's crazy. Wait, was he there today? Yeah, Alex Rodriguez uh, posted on his Instagram story uh, a picture of Howard Schultz with his daughters. So. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he can pay his way in there. I would hope so. I hope he paid. <laughs> I absolutely hope he paid. This is Seattle Sports Tonight right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Speaking of Mariners opening day, I don't know if, or at least the home opener, I don't know if you could have asked for a better start uh, to what we saw or a better addition to what we saw in Japan than them coming home today and getting a massive, massive offensive production uh, against one of the best pitchers in baseball, Chris Sale, due in large part to the scorching hot bat of guys like Domingo Santana and Tim Beckham. Next pitch will be number 70 for Sale. Here it comes. Swing, Beckham, deep to center field. Bradley to the track, to the wall, gone off the batter's eye. It's BP on opening day against Chris Sale, the third Mariners home run and the second from Tim Beckham. All this guy does is hit dingers. And, I mean, Tim Beckham picked up off the scrap heap, really, this offseason. He is a former number 1 overall pick, so the talent, I think, has been there in his bat. If this is a guy who can put it together this season, maybe that makes him a a valuable trade commodity or – as we're going to look at later on tonight, what if the Mariners are actually good? Like, what if this is a team that messes around and gets 85-86 wins? Is that a bad thing for what the Mariners are trying to do? Uh, But right now, the Mariners, their offense, I think that is the best thing I've seen from them over their first three games. Absolutely. And when you talk about Beckham, not only with his bat, how hot he has been, but just just getting on base out of 10 out of 14 plate appearances, that's... That's fantastic, uh, and you're able to you know get a lot of power from different guys: Beckham, Domingo Santana, Healy, 
at Edwin Encarnacion. I mean, Encarnacion was a guy that I was concerned about. He had not been playing well in the in spring training. Uh, his first two games were shaky. This is a guy that we are absolutely counting on to step up and play well. Uh, when you talk about a trading block piece, we want Encarnacion to play as good as po- as he possibly can. So that was nice to see his back come alive a little bit. Uh, I-, I just love the fact that uh, right now this team, yes, they have big bats that are getting home runs, but it seems like this group is playing complementary uh, baseball in terms of offensively their approach. Uh, Mitch Haniger had some great at-bats. Uh, he had an, a, a beautiful double uh, tonight as well. Love watching that guy at the plate. Uh, it, it's been, it's just so far, it's been a pleasant surprise. Obviously, uh, we're not expecting this to continue, but man, it would be so much fun if this team could just completely surprise everybody. Yeah, it certainly changes the way that you're watching a game when you're seeing an organization do something it hasn't done before, um, at least for service in Depoto, which is to just knock everything down, start over. I know they're calling it like a step back and a reimagining, but they made a lot of moves and a lot of risks. Um, but I think with games like this, you, you A, leave with some interesting storylines. It, it may not be are we looking at World Series contenders? But maybe it's someone like Tim Beckham. Are we overlooking a player like Tim Beckham in favor of seeing kind of what some of these younger players have? And, and you can do both. You can, you can look for what these younger players can show for Seattle. And then you can also take another look at a guy like Beckham who, um, like you said, former first-round pick, didn't have a ton of success, but maybe he is finding a rejuvenation to his career. Um, if not, maybe he's found uh, a system or a clubhouse that works for him. Maybe he entering just a new phase. It's a really interesting story to follow that I think was peaked tonight for a lot of fans who were otherwise looking at guys like Marco Gonzalez, who uh, is your new ace, or young players coming in like Malik Smith. Um, I think another thing, too, is is just the way to watch the team has changed, and I think these are the games that Mariners fans, in my mind, might want to see. When Scott Service talked to Brock and Salk this morning, he said that uh, he was asked how he's watching the game, what he's looking for. And he said, you know, it's with a new lens. I'm paraphrasing. It's with a new lens, but it was one of excitement. He's looking for the team to develop over time. And I think if you're, you know, a Mariners fan um, or someone covering the team, you're looking at this and you're saying, all right, here's some stuff they did well. Can they replicate any of this? Is it down from here? If you start looking at people performing and you say, you know what, Tim Beckham, if he has you know some upward trajectory from here or plays well, then, then that's success even with losses. So you're looking at individual players and patterns. We, we saw today success from some veteran guys, obviously Tim Beckham, Edwin Encarnacion getting – uh, their home runs, hitting three in total for those uh, just two guys. But a lot of the contributions today came from the guys who the Mariners have identified as building blocks. Marco Gonzalez pitches into the sixth inning. Uh, Malik Smith gets a triple for his first hit as a Mariner. Domingo Santana has more RBI through three games uh, than anybody in Mariners franchise history. He's got nine already. And, like, I think the Mariners have got to be patting themselves on the back seeing these guys play the way they have. Uh, I think Domingo Santana, especially, uh, our guy Brent Stecker, who writes for 710sports.com, he writes his table setter column just about every single day. Uh, he's he's kind of pointed to Domingo Santana being a guy that Mariners fans should really get acquainted with. Absolutely. Because 
two seasons ago in Milwaukee, he hit 30 home runs at the age of 24. Mm-hmm. Guys don't do that in baseball. Like That's not an age where you see that much power, and Santana was able to do that. Last year, he was kind of forced out of Milwaukee's starting lineup because they made such big free agent splashes. And Christian Yelich went on to win MVP, and Lorenzo Cain, who also played at an all-star level. But Santana's now given, he's been given an opportunity to play every day, Yeah, and I think he's about to run with it, and we saw today uh, he's up there hacking. The one-two. Swinging a high fly ball, left field, Benintendi feeling for the wall, and it's gone into the Mariners' bullpen. Domingo Santana with a two-out, two-run home run in the bottom of the seventh. It's the fifth Mariners' home run today on opening day against the Red Sox. It is 12-4 Mariners. I think there's something to say for the fact that you got a Domingo Santana, you've got a... Uh, Tim Beckham, you've got some of these younger guys that are being empowered, like you said, Curtis, to play every day and show us what you got. You've got a Mariners organization that's sitting here, okay, this is your opportunity. Show us what you got. Do you belong in this clubhouse for now and to the future, or are you going to set the table and, and have yourself a career with another team at some point in time? With guys like Domingo Santana, Tim Beckham, uh, those are guys that I look at and say, man, I really hope that they can take off with this team and be with this team for a long time because I love the fact and I hope that this continues to be a theme. We're in game three right now and there's 159 games left to go. But the one theme that I really hope sticks with this with this club is the fact that they are playing game in and game out with something to prove, that they are out there competitive and fiery and and giving forth their best effort uh, night in and night out uh, because there's a lot on the line for them uh, in, in trying to show this club, this organization, Jerry DePoto and Scott Service, that they uh, should remain a Mariner uh, now and in the future. I'm just waiting to tell my A-Rod story. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the people want it. I mean, We're getting more texts on the text line about uh, Alex Rodriguez. Uh, the 206 says he said Howard Schultz's name right after Ken Griffey Jr. when mentioning cult heroes of the Northwest and of Seattle. Really? That's like, who you, uh, you, you don't put those two together in, in any kind of sentence unless you're going, name two people, one of which who has meant so much to the region and one who could go away for a long time. And then you're like, oh, Ken Griffey Jr. and Howard Schultz. Right. Also uh, just a weird pairing. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, another tweet coming in from Zach. He says, Alex Rodriguez also called Seattle home during the beginning of the game, in all capital letters, BARF. Like, can you claim a home if that home won't accept you? Like, Can, can you say that that's your... <laughs> it's the choices that matter, Curtis. Dumbledore yeah. taught us that. Well... Hopefully, Alex Rodriguez has learned something. Great reference there. Great reference, Stacey. Coming up next here on Seattle Sports at Night, the Seahawks making some key decisions leading up to the NFL draft. Free agency is about to have come and gone. In Pete and John, we trust. Have they been able to sustain a dynasty? Can you continue to say that? It's been six years since they've won a Super Bowl. Do you still trust those guys? We talk that next. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross, Jake Heaps, Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. 
Live from the Alaska Airlines Studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Mariners picking up that win in their home opener. Not just picking it up, but sending a message with it to 12-4 over the world champion Boston Red Sox. Uh, Marco Gonzalez pitching into the sixth inning today. Mariners hitting five home runs in total, 12 hits, 11 RBI on the day. Four walks. Uh, they really had it going all day long with the sticks. Uh, Alex Rodriguez, though, has kind of become a little bit of a talking point here tonight on Seattle Sports at Night. Text line lighting up uh, about him and, and just how wasn't really welcome on the broadcast. Stacy. You, apparently, you were down at T-Mobile Park today yes. uh, for the home opener. You have a story. I can confirm I have a with story. With Alex from... Rodriguez playing a central part to it. Yep, from the field. Um, I was over for, uh, so we were in the press box, and after their broad- broadcast, Bob Stelton and Tom Wassel came over to join us. And... Uh, Brent and I, Brent's the 710sports.com editor, Brent and I knew that Alex Rodriguez was in the building because when we had all gone down to the clubhouse, he just walked out of the clubhouse. And I don't think anyone thought or knew he was going to be there. So yeah. you do one of those double takes where you think, is that is that A-Rod? I'm not quite sure. Okay. And everybody, I, I think that this is important too because people ask themselves all the time or they envision when they meet their hero or a elite celebrity – how are you going to play this thing off? What are you going to act like? Are you going to play it cool? Are you going to act like you don't see him? Or are you going to go right up there and talk to him? And Wassel has an interesting approach. Yeah, and to be completely honest, my thought was none of those. It was whether or not J-Lo was in Seattle. But <laughs> now, my, my question on just seeing him at a glance, are his teeth as white in person as they are on, on TV? Because that dude's I got some tell. bright, bright teeth. He was wearing, he looked very sharp. I mean, pinstripe looking suit looked good. He's made, I think, over a half billion dollars in his career. Well, I hope so. Uh, I'll tell you who got an up close and personal oh. look is Tom Uh-oh. and Bob, who are uh, t- telling me this story, me and Brent. And uh, those it's, two just ooze coolness, by the way. Yes. Like, so it starts with Tom saying that he might have touched a Rod's bottom on uh-huh. on accident. And I said, I'm sorry, Tom. Big pardon? What do you mean? And so then Bob starts telling me this story. Bob goes, yeah, me and Tom are in the bathroom, and we, we look behind us, and and there's A-Rod flossing his teeth, looking in the mirror. He's over the sink. Uh-huh. And, and Tom Wassell sees that A-Rod has floss sticking to the back of his pants and says, oh, hey, man, you got some floss on you. And he kind of like leans down to try to get it off of him. And, he, and Bob said at the same time, A-Rod's moving around, kind of looking behind him, like, wait, what's going on? And then he says, so Tom's on his knees, and this is where I stopped the conversation. Yeah. And I turned what? to Tom, and I said, I'm sorry, Tom, you were on your knees in the bathroom? And he said, you bet I was, <laughs> trying to get, he was, Tom, he was dedicated. No. He was on his knees trying to focus, trying to really help A-Rod out and, and, and get the floss off of his pants. It was it was apparently kind of clinging on there. So my favorite part of this whole story isn't how awkward Tom is being because Tom's like has no problem saying this. He and the best part of the story is Bob, 
who was telling the story, and I made fun of him for it afterward, telling the story as if Tom was the only weird one. Because while Tom was kneeling behind A-Rod trying to take Floss off of his pants, Bob was having a conversation with A-Rod about, like, batting in an indoor place like the Kingdom versus, you know, like an open field. (laughs) And I was like... No, Dude. Bob, he wanted to leave. <laughs> yeah. You weren't being normal. He didn't want to be anywhere near you two Plus in that Bob's moment. Heart. He's trying to diffuse the awkwardness. By just of, playing it cool. By just, that's right. Just know, talking ball. That's right. That's right. And A-Rod is thinking, get me the I, heck out of here. I need to leave. Like, oh, man. <laughs> oh. Like, you know how you talked about spiders and how they curl up? Yes. When we listen to the, to the Toledo newscast. That's how I'm feeling right now for Alex Rodriguez. Like, I have sympathy for him now. Like, just imagine him figuring out, trying to figure out what Tom is doing, and then Bob sliding up like, hey, don't mind him. So, listen, when you were in the kingdom. (laughs) Like, just such an odd transition. I was Tom. Or if I was Bob in that situation and Tom was doing this, I would immediately leave. I would not no, hang around. I'd be gone. No, no Tom. I am not going to be part of this. You don't leave your co-host behind. Yes, now you I know do. What you would when do, you do Dave. that, yeah. nope. you absolutely do. Now we know what's going to happen when Stacy acts awkward around Meghan Markle when we have her on the show. When I start freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Like, Jake's just going to bolt and it's, it's going to be over. I can't be around that. That's cold-blooded, Jake. Oh. I'm sorry. I can't believe you wouldn't have my I'm back. I'm sorry. God. At least, at least Bob stuck in there for Tom. Maybe, like, That's maybe I'll love. stick around and eventually I'll just pull you away. Like, say, <laughs> slowly it's guide time me to away. Go. Time to I'm go. I'm sure I'll be like taken away then by security. You it's, guys won't even have to yeah. step in. <laughs> Alex Rodriguez meets so many people per day. Like he just gets introduced to people. Moment after moment, like, hey, this is my eighth cousin twice removed. Like, can you take a picture with her? I'm sure he's he's gracious enough to do stuff like that. But I would imagine an encounter like that is going to stick with him. Definitely. This is something unique and different. There's no question about that. He meets so many people, like you said, you know, here's their name, goes in one year, out the other, because he doesn't need to memorize it. There's no point for him to memorize it. He doesn't need to know you. But... I guarantee you, I guess if you're Tom, this story is probably going to be told to J-Lo later. Ooh. Which means Some I weird... kind of told it to J-Lo. Exactly. Which means yes. I kind of know J-Lo. Yes. Which means you're Love best it. friends with Which J-Lo. Which means I'm friends with J-Lo. Yes. And end of story. Let's get to Seahawks. <laughs> well, I, yeah. From one odd transition to another. No, I just like to end it there. Like I don't, I don't want to dissect that anymore because I like the way it's ending with me being friends with Jennifer Lopez. I mean, that's kind of what we all want, right? That's what I'm taking away That'd from That'd be a, a fun friend to have. Uh, coming up in about uh, three minutes here, four down territory. We look at the four biggest questions surrounding football here in the Northwest Seahawks Huskies. Spring ball starting up next week. We get into all of that next. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross, Jake Eaves, right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. This this is Four Down Territory on Seattle Sports at Night. Coming up on the end of the first half here on Seattle Sports Night, that means Four Down Territory. you got to put seven on the board. Quickly, though, before we get into first down from the 206, talking about Wassel and Bob's encounter with Alex Rodriguez, they say you never leave a homie in the ditch taking grenades. Jake. You do if it's Wassel. <laughs> you do if it's Wassel. Doing that to Alex Rodriguez 
I just I, I can't go further because it's just so ridiculous. I, I can't believe that he did that. And the next time I see Wassel, he was trying to help him. No, he was not. You think what happens if A Rod leaves a bathroom with floss all over the back of his At pants? Some, it's on TMZ tomorrow. Okay, well then tell oh, A Rod that it's there and let, and let him take you. care of it. Let A Rod take care of it. I think Tom was trying to be a, a pal. You know, he's he saw someone else in broadcasting, and he said hello. Fellow, fellow media member, yeah. fellow broadcaster, <laughs> let me help you out. Uh, Good for Tom. Oh, my gosh. There's so much to unpack here. Let's get to first down. Gosh. Number one. First down. NFL.com's Jane Slater says the Cowboys are not close on any number as it pertains to a salary for DeMarcus Lawrence, who they franchised earlier in the offseason. Why is this news for the Seahawks? Oh, this is big-time news for the Seahawks because if DeMarcus Lawrence is talking about, if you do the math correctly, and I'm hoping that I do, I'm not a math whiz, but that puts DeMarcus Lawrence's ask price at around $23 million per year. That is massive. That is Khalil Mack money. And as of what we know from Jadavian Clowney and Frank Clark in their camps, is that they want comparable money to DeMarcus Lawrence. And so if Frank Clark in his camp is looking at $23 million around that mark, 20 to $23 million, that's a huge asking price. So if the, if the Seahawks want any chance to retain Frank Clark, it's going to be with a multi-year extension here recently, if it, you know, here pretty soon, because if they are not able to get that done, Frank, you might as well consider him gone because his asking price is going to be such that the Seahawks are simply just not willing to match. Uh, And so that is huge news uh, for the Seahawks. Number two. Second down. A lot of questions surrounding what the Cardinals are going to do with the first pick in the draft. Are you going to trade Josh Rosen, take Kyler Murray, or keep keep Josh Rosen and let Kyler Murray fall down at the draft board? Question, though, who would you rather have in the NFC West, Josh Rosen or Kyler Murray? Okay, I know Mike Salk's answer on this, and Mike Salk's answer is going to be he wants Josh Rosen to be in the NFC West still. Uh, Josh Rosen, as it was described to me, is essentially a... Uh, a brand new car that has been rolled off the lot. And what he put on tape last year was not good. And there was a lot of reasons for that being. I mean, he didn't have the talent around him. There were a lot of injuries going on. But in terms of what Josh Rosen's stock is, uh, it's not what it used to be from last year, being 10th pick overall. So you're talking about from a competitive standpoint, having Josh Rosen in your division is is right as of right now uh, what you would want uh, to have because he is the lesser player, whereas Kyler Murray, I believe, is a better fit uh, for Cliff Kingsbury's offense. So in terms of the better player and the more excitement, I think Kyler Murray being in the NFC West is going to be more intriguing to watch. Uh, and so for that reason, I hope Kyler Murray is the quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals next year, and it'll be interesting to see if his athleticism and his style of play can match Cliff Kingsbury and what he wants to do, and how are the Seahawks going to be able to handle uh, those two things. We've heard about Kyler Murray's personality, whether you believe it or not, from Charlie Casserly of the NFL Network, who is a pretty dusty guy, if, if, I'm, if we're being honest here. But... Those rumors about Kyler Murray's personality and who he is off the off the field and who he is around his teammates, 
I feel like those didn't come from out of nowhere. I feel like he may have heard something from yeah, somebody close to the situation. And if that's a guy who the Cardinals are going to invest in, and we've heard it, you know, the interview with Dan Patrick during the Super Bowl where Kyler Murray was just giving non-answer after non-answer and being awkward around it. Like, if that's the guy who you want as the face of your franchise, if that's the guy who you're going to hitch everything to, do it. And if you're a Seahawks fan, I think you're in a very good spot with whichever quarterback the Cardinals pick because I don't think Josh Rosen, after we saw what he did in year one, nothing about him leaps off the screen to me. And Kyler Murray, I get a sense that he's just doesn't have that kind of mentality that you look for in a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. Well, I, if you're talking about the ability to lead, uh, that is in question. But I think the guy that knows him the best, he recruited him out of high school. Kyler Murray loved Cliff Kingsbury. From everything that I know and that I've heard is that if Cliff Kingsbury would have any other school other than Texas Tech that was a little bit more big time, uh, Kyler Murray would have went there. So those two have a relationship that goes deep and if that if that head coach and your play caller believes in you, uh, then I believe that that bodes well and can make it work. Now it's up to Kyler Murray uh, to change his attitude to try and be a leader of men in the NFL, and that's going to be a tough task for him. But ultimately it comes down to his ability to play on the field, and that's where I, I just want to see the experiment, Curtis. I want to see the experiment of uh, the, the air raid system, the undersized Kyler Murray, and the – big play ability that he has and see if it can mesh in the National Football League. Number three. Third down. Seahawks welcoming in Nick Perry to the VMAC today for an interview. What did the Seahawks' most recent free agency visits tell you what the team is looking for heading into the draft? Uh, If there's anything that it tells me, uh, I, I believe that it tells me that they are going into the draft really, really paying attention to the defensive line and that should be no secret Uh, however there's been different things floated around are they going to go secondary if someone falls deep Uh, are they going to surprise everybody and go receiver no they are going to go with an edge rusher or a absolute monster in the in terms of a run stopping defensive tackle not only have they been bringing in Aaron Lynch and Nick Perry, but they've also, in their top 30 visits, they brought in uh, Rashawn Gary, they brought in Darnell Savage. Uh, Those guys are premier edge rushers, guys that uh, Darnell Savage is a safety. Those are guys that, on the defensive side of the ball, they're looking for playmakers, they're looking for edge rushers that can get to the quarterback. So for me, it's very telling that they're going to go defensive side of the ball, and I firmly believe that with their top pick, wherever it's going to be, is going to be on the defensive line. Number four. Fourth down, last opportunity to get some points on the board here in four-down territory. Washington, they start spring ball next week, next Wednesday to be exact. Bringing in a pretty heralded freshman class, is there any freshman you see, Jake, that you expect to have a breakout season in 2019? It's a great question. Uh, If there's one freshman that I believe that's going to have a huge impact. Uh, I believe it's uh, cornerback. I think, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Gosh, here it is. Uh, I believe that it's going to be uh, the defensive back in general. It's going to be uh, Miles Bryant is a guy that has really solidified this group. 
Uh, and and it, honestly, in the nickel back position, it's been something that I couldn't believe the fact that people were talking about him as a first round talent uh, as a nickel cornerback position. But that's how that's how good he has played in that particular position. The guy that I was looking for, sorry, I completely lost my mind there, was Kyler Gordon, uh, the redshirt freshman out of Archbishop Murphy. Everything that I've heard about Kyler Gordon is that he is a freak of nature talent-wise and that he has also really established his craft under Jimmy Lake. And that is a guy as a redshirt freshman I believe is going to be a breakout superstar for the Washington Huskies. That is another edition of Four Down Territory. You can check out the podcast. You can subscribe to the Seattle Sports Night podcast on iTunes and also on Google Play. You can download it at 710sports.com slash podcast. Every single show is there for you. Every single hour of every single show is there for you. Give us a rating, five stars. Leave us a review. That's all you got to do. That's all we're asking of you. But coming up next to start off, the 10 o'clock hour here on Seattle Sports Night. Story time with Stacy. That's right. Coming up next, the Mariners, no matter how this season shakes out, they can never be the worst team in baseball history. What does that have to do? Stacy's going to tell you exactly what's going on. It'll be on. great. Yeah. Her words, not ours. <laughs> Just wait, Curtis. Okay. <laughs> but that is coming up next right here on Seattle Sports Tonight on 710. ESPN Seattle.